When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. Well, here we go. It's the tailgate edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. Welcome in. My name is Chris Plank, and... Over the next 45 minutes to an hour, we'll get you ready for kickoff between Oklahoma and Ohio State. You know, it's just amazing what this program has done as far as scheduling marquee non-conference opponents. I I would imagine that if you're listening to this, you're a diehard. So you probably made the trip to either Knoxville or, or South Bend or Tallahassee or Tuscaloosa or coming up, you're planning on making trips to Los Angeles. But when this series was announced and this game was announced, the hope was that it would be two top five teams going at it. The hope was that it would be two traditional powers basically in their prime and everything that was hyped and hoped has come to fruition. So we get the honor of not only getting to watch Oklahoma and Ohio State this weekend, but also preview it as well. So coming up on the podcast today, we're going to learn, uh, learn a little bit more about Ohio State. Kevin Noon covers the Buckeyes for BuckeyeGrove.com. He'll join us in our last segment. I always like getting the beat writer's perspective. We've had uh, Eric Bailey on with us quite a bit, uh, Ryan Aber, Brooke Pryor. Today we turn our attention to Norman and the Norman transcript, and we'll get some perspective from Tyler Palmatier. Plus, I mean, who else? would be better to give you some breakdowns on what to expect this weekend than the captains. Stephen Parker II, Orlando Brown Jr., Obo Okronkwo, and Baker Mayfield all make an appearance on this week's edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. What an exciting win for the Sooners as they absolutely dominated UTEP in game one of the season on Saturday. Three wideouts, Flowers tied in to right, Sermon the back, first to 10 from the 39, play action, Baker holding, holding, looking deep, lets it fly for Bedette, he underthrew it, and ah. it's caught! Oh, mother! Bedette comes down with it at the five! A jump! 
that. It is a play action lob in zone caught. <laughs> Easy touchdown, Mark Andrews. Baker Mayfield now 16 for 16. 56-7, the final score. Eight Sooners accounted for the team's eight touchdowns. 14 receivers caught in tight ends and running backs. Caught passes, which equal the number from last year. And how about Baker Mayfield? A school record for most completions to start a game. He finished 19 of 22, 329 yards, three touchdowns. Kyler Murray, 10 of 11, 449 yards. That's amazing to look back and see what these two quarterbacks were able to do on Saturday. And and then the emergence of a Mark Andrews, who had uh, 134 yards, seven catches, which was a career high for him. The yardage was a career high and a touchdown. And all of that came in the first half. So with UTEP in the rear view, let's start preparing for Ohio State. And obviously... One heck of a streak that the Sooners are currently on. They have won 11 straight games since losing to Ohio State in Week 3 last year, 51 weeks ago. The 11 straight wins, longest winning streak currently in the country. The last time the Sooners won 12 consecutive games, 2004, when they started the season 12-0 before falling in the Orange Bowl. So if the Sooners are to continue that success, they need their captains to be on point. We started out by catching up with Orlando Brown Jr. to get ready for Ohio State. Being a captain, what does that mean to you? How special is that? Uh, Very special. You know, obviously coming here and, you know, being at the bottom of the depth chart and being able to work up, you know, to, you know, be appreciated by my peers and, you know, to be voted and to be here in this position, man. You know, I mean, it, it makes me, you know, really happy and, you know, it makes me really proud to go out here and play for this team. Special environment Saturday, home opener, new season. What was the excitement level like for you? Uh, very excited. You know, obviously the home opener is always my favorite home game, you know, just because the fans and everything and the whole game day experience. Uh, I mean, it was hot, but <laughs> we were able to go out there and, you know, play our best. Overall, you know, got to play a lot of guys, and there's a lot of depth on this offensive line to begin with. But overall, how did you feel like you guys performed as a unit? Uh, I feel like, you know, it was pretty well. You know, obviously there are things that fundamentally, you know, we're going to have to fix, uh, you know, going here into playing against a, a bigger and, a, you know, a better team. Um, you know, but I think we played pretty well on Saturday. I like that jumbo package. What did you guys have, three fullbacks in there at one point? Jordan Smallwood's like a fullback out there. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> How much extra, I don't know, strength, bulk does that give you guys whenever you're able to go out there with that much bulk? Uh, it gives us a lot of strength, you know, and uh, like you said, a lot of size, a lot more power. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm a huge fan of it. You know, I, I love goal line. I like short third and short anything, short yardage. You know, I'd rather be coming off the ball than pass blocking. When you come to Oklahoma, you look forward to challenges like this. So with that in mind, how special is Saturday going to be going into an environment like that against a great team like Ohio State? Uh, very special. You know, uh, as a team, I think we're really excited. You know, it's something that we've been working for. I'm pretty sure I'm some, something that they've been working for. And, uh, you know, we, we both both teams, both units, you know, we come to these universities to play in these big games. And, you know, regular, whether that be regular season playoff or national championship or conference championship, you know, these games are already special. And, uh, you know, you'll remember them no matter the outcome. No, obviously, you've improved immensely, and I think you'd be the first one to say that. But from your perspective, how much harder have you really studied in the classroom when it comes to understanding 
what you need to do and understanding what needs to be done from everyone along the offensive line. I heard you talking about tape study. Is that an area where you've really focused on improving? Yeah, yeah, a lot. You know, um, obviously, as you mature as a player, your scheme, you know what I mean, and what you do becomes easier. So, you know, I've just kind of taken it upon myself to really learn, you know, some of the quarterback stuff and some of the things that the running back may be looking at and, you know, up front all of the different calls and things that, you know, the the guards and the centers are, are, uh, you know, communicating. And then – you mentioned tape study. Boy, it's fun to study that guy on the opposite side of you, uh, the line with Bobby Evans Jr. Take us through his progression. Yeah, uh, you know, obviously Bobby's a guy that productivity has been there from day one, from the moment he's touched campus. You know, he's only gotten better, you know, each and every day. And, uh, I mean, you know, just the growth that he's made as an individual, I mean, is really huge. You know, he'll definitely be a guy that, you know, will probably had an opportunity to be a first-round draft pick. And then the versatility that's taught by Bill Biedenboe. I mean, obviously a guy that uh, coaches you hard but loves you too, man. It's, that's a pretty special guy. Yeah, yeah, I love Coach B. And, you know, like you said, he, he praises and preaches versatility. And so, you know, I think that's something that we've all just kind of adapted. So a final quick thought for you. How do you maintain, how do you manage the excitement level and the intensity this week, Orlando? Uh, man, I, you know, I, I try to, try to you know, keep my emotions, you know, there till game day, you know, keep them under wraps. But, uh, man, I mean, it's going to be hard. You know, I, I'm excited for this week of practice. I'm excited to get better and go out here and play on Saturday. They're saying it's a matchup of the best offensive line in the country versus the best defensive line in the country. Obviously, Orlando Brown, a major, major reason for that. Uh, that label for the Sooners' offensive line, so obviously good to see him focused and ready. Speaking of focused and ready, Oba Okronkwo had a really nice opener against UTEP. He is the guy that, I don't want to say emerged out of nowhere last year. Everyone, you, you talk to former Sooners like Eric Stryker and Devontae Bond, they knew that Oboe's time was now, and after not starting a game his first two years, started, what, all but two games, and absolutely put up incredible numbers, looked fresh, looked ready, looked amazing in the opener against UTEP, and now he looks to have this team prepared. Listen, I, I hate to tease something at the end of the interview, but I love what Oboe says when we ask the question about what they learned from last year. So that's at the end of this, but enjoy our conversation with Oba Okronkwo. Well, Oba, overall now, you looked at the tape. What do you think of the performance against Utah by the defensive front? Uh, I, I felt like we did really well. After that first drive, we really settled in. We played really well. Everybody did their job. What, um, what did you see that improved as the game went along for you guys? After that first drive, you really adjusted. What really stood out to you that clicked for this team? Uh, everybody just kept their, po- their poise, um, kept their composure. Um, there was a lot of guys out there for the first time. <clears throat> there was a lot of guys out there for the first time ever. So, you know, after they got their feet wet, it was okay. They, their nerves were down. They got to just play, play their game. One thing I noticed is you're getting shipped a lot. You're getting a lot of double teams now. How much of a challenge does that make it for you? How much do you have to adjust? Um, not much. Um, when when I'm getting double team tripped, all that stuff, it just means other guys are getting one on one blocks. So that, that's fine with me as long as we're all getting to the quarterback, creating pressure, creating disruption. It was really cool to kind of watch the way that Coach Ruffin McNeil and the defensive tackles worked with uh, the ends, and obviously as that hybrid for you. What about those interior guys? Look like Q had a really good game as well too, and some of the young guys getting in there. Yeah, Q, he's really grown up. Also Neville, um, we're, we're expecting a lot of production from Kenneth Mann. Also, they're all coming along very well. Uh, I, I reviewed the tape. I liked how they played a lot. I feel like. There's still a lot of room to grow, though. Obviously, a lot of hype for this week. One of those games that's right. The reason why you come into Oklahoma to play in an environment like Saturday, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, we're ready to go. This is it's like, yeah, like you said, this is why you come here to play in these big games, you know. We're all excited. We're all just ready to lock in and start the week. Is it important to kind of maybe woe up a little bit with all the excitement? I mean, you don't want to get too excited early, or has this team got a pretty good feel about how it's preparing this week? Um, we're just going to take it day by day, you know. Of course, it's, it's a really exciting game, but we're not going to just, you know, go ahead and get ourselves all worked up on Monday, you know. <laughs> the game's on Saturday, so we're just going to pace ourselves, work every day. Yeah, final quick thought. Is there anything you can take from last year's game, or do you wipe it clean and just focus for this year? Um different mentality, you know. Uh, it's, that's definitely something I take away. Uh, we came into the game. Um, I, there was a lot of things that we didn't like about how we prepared and what we did out there. Um, you got to look at that and change it, you know. You got to You got to be different than you were last they year. Learned how to prepare. They learned how to focus. And I think that's some incredible lessons that Baker Mayfield echoed when we talked to him. The quarterback for the Oklahoma Sooners, record-setting day on Saturday and going into an environment where he thrives on the road. Every quarterback getting an opportunity, looked at the tape. What you think? Um, it was good. It was great. Uh, I think it was a good first game. Uh, are you talking about Ohio State? or? or well, I'm sorry, I'm part of our guys, first of all. <laughs> then we'll get to Ohio State later. But overall, with Kyler and with Dan are all getting out there. No, I thought it was great. I think they played well. Um, you know, we, I think... Mike Houck said we almost set the completion percentage record for combined effort for the team, so that was good. Uh, I think they went out there and executed well. Did you know in your head where your percentage was, in other words, that you hadn't thrown an incompletion, and is it like a, a pitcher with a no-hitter where everyone kind of stays away from you because they knew what was going on? Uh, no, I don't think anybody was really thinking about it uh, until until I was out I don't, and nobody asked me, and I, I had forgotten about the, the one incompletion uh, to Marquise, so I had forgotten about it completely. Take me through if... Lincoln was as calm and cool as he seemed. I mean, because every, obviously an emotional guy, but he just seems so calm and cool being his first uh, head coaching stint. He is. He really is. What you see is what you get. And so that's, that's what I love about him. Uh, there's never any any doubt. Uh, you know how he's feeling. You know how he's going to coach. And you know how he's going to show up on Saturday. So uh, that being said, he's he's been ready for this moment. And so he's, he's doing well. It seemed as if there was a little bit more excitement with the C.D. Lamb touchdown. Was there something that happened different there? Or was it just getting a freshman the ball? That's the first one of many for him, uh, that's for sure. So uh, the excitement there is uh, for the future. So um, he's going to be a great player. And then overall, we talked about just the quarterbacks in general. But to see Kyler Murray, everyone thinks runner, had the Allen touchdown connection there with his old college yeah. teammate. But man, he, he looked good throwing the football Saturday. He's got a strong arm. Uh, that's what people don't give him enough credit for. Uh, he's got... He's got a very strong arm. No, he doesn't have the same throwing motion that you would, you know, the prototypical over the shoulder, over the top throwing motion, but he can put some zip on the ball, that's for sure. I think he's got a very strong arm, and, and you know, he can he can push the ball downfield, but he's also very, very accurate, and I think that showed with, with some of his throws on Saturday. And I know that you've said it a lot, you come back for a championship, but how about for an environment like this where you go and, and you know you're going to be the villain, you know you're going to be the bad guy. You, don't, you really thrive in these environments, don't you? Yeah, no. Uh, an environment like this is why you come to Oklahoma. You come to Oklahoma for big games to, to play people like this. And so, yeah, you got to love it. You got to enjoy every second. So, yeah, I, I do enjoy going on the road. You mentioned CD, but how about some of your other young receivers? Anyone really stand out as you look back on Saturday night? I think we overall, we played great as a unit. And so, yeah, we still have to improve, but I think everybody played well. And so, yeah, there's some, some little things here and there. Um, but... Uh, overall, I'm, I'm proud of our guys. Yeah, I thought it was a good question asked of you, but was it weird to not hand off to Joe and Samaje? It, it was different, but it, it was a good different. You know, it, it's the start of a, a different era for us uh, at OU for running backs. So it's, you know, different guys, different faces, and it, we're going to have fresh legs in there. 
Obviously two different teams, but for a final thought, can you take anything from last year's game that helps you guys in preparing this year? Oh, I think we can take stuff. I mean, yeah, there's film of certain guys that are, are still on the team for them um, that you still watch and see the tendencies and stuff like that. But the biggest learning point off that film is about us and, you know, showing up and doing our job and not worrying about what they're doing, just just executing us. And finally, Stephen Parker the second Man, it's incredible to watch this kid's maturation over the last couple of years. And he laid the lick that really kind of set the tone for the Sooners on Saturday. And now we'll try to set an example of preparation – focus and mindset as OU gets set for Ohio State. He's got the football, straight drop, looking middle, throws deep across the middle, caught, blown up, and disconnected from the football. Steven Parker brought some lumber, and the Miners are going to have to kick it. That hit really kind of set the tone for this defense on Saturday. Take me through that play. Uh, I mean, really just just a play that, I mean, that, you know, that we see in practice all the time, uh, you know, just eyeing three, and, you know, he came across the middle, and, of course, you know, it's a no-fly zone around there. Uh, and, you know, uh, us Wolves, just we have to set the tone as far as uh, at the defensive end. For you, we talked about it in the postgame. You guys really adjusted after that first drive. How encouraging was that for you to see the young guys get the message and things really click after that first UTEP drive? Uh, I mean, it was very important. I mean, we really just had to settle down. I mean, we really came out there so amped up, ready to go to where we were we were too ready to make a play. Everybody was, you know, uh, too aggressive. So we had to really just settle down, settle down the defense. Um, you know, we really didn't get on to anybody. It was really just about just making sure everybody's just playing assignment correct. You know, for you as a captain this year, we haven't really had a chance to talk about it, but what has it meant to you and how much have you learned from the leaders, Stephen, that were here before you? Uh, I mean, I've learned a lot, you know, from, from the people that, that were here before me. I've actually talked to a couple, uh, Zach Sanchez, uh, Charles Tapper, uh, you know, just those type of guys right there. And Strike, I mean, Strike has always been a guy in my ear that's always been pushing me and, uh, you know, has always did some qualities, you know, that as a leader where, you know, it, it helped me out a lot. So just, you know, seeing those guys and, and being under those guys, it, it, it taught me a lot. It helps a lot that they're still around. You know, on Saturday you saw Didi was out there. But then also you have Strike. You have Ty Darlington that are still around. Again, in a little bit of a different capacity. And you have coaches. But, I mean, how much does it help to have those former players still around the program like that? I mean, it helps out a lot. I mean, it helps out recruiting-wise especially. <laughs> um, but – I mean, really just, uh, you know, getting those guys right there. I mean, they, they've been through it. You know, they, they've been in your exact shoes. They've been here, right here playing on this field. So they can give you a lot of tips, uh, a lot of reminders, and, and they can help you out throughout the process. What was the energy and the emotion like for you on Saturday? Uh, I mean, it was a very emotional day. I mean, it was the last, my last home opener, uh, you know, not just me, but just all the seniors, uh, you know. So it's really just, you know, it, it was great to be out here have, having fun with the young guys. And, uh, you know, it was just a great, great game to, to basically, you know, get started with the season. When you made the decision to come to Oklahoma from Jinx, obviously playing in big-time environments had to be a major part of it. With that in mind, going to Knoxville, now going to Columbus this weekend, how special is that for you? Uh, it's very special. I mean, this is why this is why I came to Oklahoma. I came to Oklahoma to, to play in games like these. Um, you know, if, if I didn't want to play in games like these, you know, I would have went somewhere else. But no, this is this is this is home. Um, and and you know, basically Oklahoma, they're they're known to be in big games. And this is this is where I want to be. At. Stephen, I know the excitement level is high for the fan base, but for the players, do you have to do anything differently to try to stay calm this week or pace yourself at all? No, not at all. I mean, really, we just got to come out to practice every single day, work our butts off, and uh, you know, let's get it. Final thought, how do you think the young guys played? Robert Barnes got out there. Uh, Khalil Hatton got to play a lot. What did you see from those young wolves in the secondary, if you will, that stood out to you on Saturday? 
Uh, I mean, I seen young Trey Norwood, you know, stick his head in there. And, uh, you know, he, he made a couple of plays. Trey Brown, Robert Barnes did a fantastic job. Um, you know, you just had all the young guys out there. And, uh, you know, they, they did a good job. Uh, and they, they've been pushing everybody all camp. And that, that's something that we've been emphasizing a lot, just starting off fast. So there's the four captains for the Sooners. How about some perspective from the people that cover Oklahoma? Caught up with Tyler Palmatier. He is the new beat writer for the Norman Transcript. And asked him about the excitement level for him. I mean, come on, we get excited covering these games, having the opportunity to go to Columbus and cover a top-five matchup like Oklahoma and Ohio State. Oh, man, this is uh, – yeah, it's big. And it's – I mean, it's new territory for uh, – you know, for a rookie like me, I you know I'm just coming off a uh, you know, a lot of great high school coverage and a lot of great games at Owen Field, but I've never been to a place like Ohio State, and uh, you know this game just it does it it just has a feel. Last year felt really big. I can't really explain why this. You know, last year the line was like one and a half, so it felt kind of like right. a draw. Uh, this year, I think there's a. I think it's fun because it's their second time uh, in in two seasons meeting, and you get a sense that coming off last week. Ohio State doesn't really they still feel like they kind of uh, have a statement to make, and obviously Oklahoma from last year has a, a lot to prove. So, yeah, this this feels like a lot of fun. It's uh, it, it, it's going to be a great time for uh, for everybody watching, everybody playing, and everybody covering it. You uh you wrote earlier this week about the Kevin Wilson dynamic, and it's interesting because. Kevin told, I think it was the Ohio State media yesterday, listen, this is different because it's been a while since I was there and these aren't my players like it was last week for him at Indiana. But there's a couple of familiar faces, right, and a Kale Gundy and a Mike Stoops. So it's unique from the perspective of it's a place that Kevin Wilson coached before and he knows some of the coaches. But is there an inherent advantage for Kevin Wilson knowing kind of the inner workings of how this staff would would find, even though it's Lincoln Riley now and, and not Bob Stoop, is there any advantage that you think Kevin Wilson gains from having been here? Well, I, I think there could be a few. Uh, you know, I thought it was really funny to me, Cale Gundy, how he mentioned Kevin Wilson has this incredible memory. You know, uh, I, I don't right. think Cale was insinuating that Kevin, you know, remembers every little step that Mike Stoops might try and take you know, this weekend on defense, but it sort of does put that thought in your mind, like, well, maybe he does remember a lot of the of Mike Stoops' tendencies. Um, but, you know, it, 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 the staff's a little different. You know, you've got some different uh, defensive coaches there. You know, Russell McNeil, you know, he's obviously got an influence on the defense, and uh, things could have changed from that perspective a little bit. And, you know, obviously there's a new head coach, so they're – I don't know that it'll be – I don't see a huge advantage there, but it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Tyler Paul Mateer hanging out with us, Norman Transcript beat writer for the University of Oklahoma. So, Tyler, where does Oklahoma have an advantage in this matchup against Ohio State? As you've started to kind of look at it from a personnel perspective, do you see a spot where you give the Sooners the edge? Yeah, I, you know, I would, I would say – the passing attack still has an advantage. And um, I know that there's some, you know, there's still some sort of unproven commodities on that side of the ball. Of course, it's not fair to say that with to, to Mark Andrews anymore because he, I think he, he proved himself quite a bit last week, even though it was against the UTEP. You know, UTEP kind of looked like a JV team at times trying to cover him. But, I, you know, I think Mark Andrews has proven. I think he deserves our, our credit there. Um, but there's a cast of other guys, you know, that I think are a little bit unproven, but I like, still like OU to have an advantage there. You know, Ohio State's got a young secondary, and 
gave up over 400 yards last week through the air, and I think it's been three seasons since they've done that. And so I think there's an advantage there. You know, if if OU's offensive line can, uh, you know, keep that keep Baker Mayfield at least from just scrambling all over the place and give him a little bit of time, you know, I think this is the most developed version of Baker Mayfield we've seen. And uh, and I think he's I think he's learned a lot from last year where he kind of rushed things and. I definitely think that that's an area that they could exploit and maybe make this game a little more interesting. What is it that you've been able to kind of put your finger on that makes Baker so, I don't know, comfortable, effective in road environments? Because, you know, in a lot of instances, you can get rattled and you can get a little bit shaken, and, and maybe you could argue that there was a little bit of, of discomfort in that first half in Knoxville against Tennessee. But with that said, he's been so smooth on the road, Tyler. What do you what do you attest that to? Yeah, well, I think he's I think he's just comfortable in a me against the world setting, and uh, and he does have a tendency to get really amped up. And I think last season amped up with Ohio State in town wasn't a good formula for him. And I think that's why you saw him forcing it and maybe wound up a little too tight. I think on the road, he really harnesses that, you know, everybody against me attitude that he he has, that he's, you know, he's shown a tendency to do, you know, his whole career. So I think this, this weekend really works well for him. You know, you go in as a seven-and-a-half, underdog and you can kind of use a little bit of that to your advantage and I think he just maybe he's a little more loose or maybe he's a little bit more in his uh, comfort zone when um, there's not just all the pressure of Norman on him right in front of him and he's kind of in enemy territory how uh, you you've been at both the media avails well all three of them so far this week including the press conference on Monday but what has been the sense on kind of grading and gauging how Kenneth Murray performed in week one, Tyler, and and what improvements they want to see going into week two? Well, I think mostly he was just – I think they recognized that he was out of position at first, and we saw that on the first couple drives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, they, I think he settled into that. You know, he eventually got himself situated, and, I mean, you saw kind of what UTEP – did the rest of the game i mean i'm not he didn't hold them single-handedly to you know whatever the 80 you know 90 100 yards they got the rest of the game after that those first couple drives um but i think there's a sense that he settled in i think things they'd like to see him do is uh just kind of continue you know maybe do that from start to finish you don't want to have one two three bad series to start at ohio state i think the the focus is just hey you know we got your first one out of the way now you know from the get-go all four quarters, you know, we need you to be, we need you to be dialed in. And, you know, also this is kind of his first test on the road. So some of that's unknown, you know, at, at home when you've, when you've got the crowd on your side, it's a little bit easier to make those adjustments. I think the big thing is now he and the other freshmen, which, uh, gosh, there's five on the defensive depth chart. They're all going to be going into crazy. a situation they haven't been in before. So with that in mind, um, losing Jordan Parker hurts from a depth perspective, but isn't it crazy to think how close we are to a couple more freshmen jumping on the field? I mean, there is incredible strength in this secondary with guys like Stephen Parker 
and Jordan Thomas, and I think the continued development of a Will Johnson from an experience perspective. But we're just one play away from a true freshman being at both the safety position and the other corner right now, Tyler. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, you know, if you're if you're an Oklahoma fan, it's scary because you just you know uh, you came all this way. Jordan Parker, you went through his growing pains, and you built up some depth uh, at that spot, and you know you're sitting there. You've got a good backup ready uh, for a, you know at least you know very experienced backup, and it is it's scary. It's I think it's one of those things. Health is just what can you do? You got you just got to roll the dice almost every game and just hope that nothing happens. You. Know, uh, Jordan Parker's came on special teams, kind of a freak deal. You know, Lincoln Riley said he it wasn't much, there wasn't much contact on it; just uh, just happened. So, yeah, it's it's sure interesting. It's one of those things where uh, I think you just hope you can get lucky and, and stay healthy. I, you know, I think they, of course, they're praising those those freshmen, Justin Broyles, uh, Trey Norwood, and yep. uh, Trey, Trey Brown, uh, you know, obviously Robert Barnes, but. I just don't think they're ready to start one of them just yet. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how well they play in those backup roles going forward, too. And I, the focus is on them a lot more now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, I I don't think I'm breaking too much news here, but Coach uh, Cooks confirmed yesterday, and you'll hear it tonight, that Justin Broyles is uh, he's going to travel. So they were kind of maybe looking at redshirting him, but now he jumps up and He's on, he's going to be someone that'll be traveling with the team this year. I mean, it, it, again, guys can travel and they still hope to redshirt him, but uh, he's he's close to jumping out there. Hey, a, a final thought, just as an overall atmosphere, just as an overall environment. Uh, any concerns about this team getting rattled? Any concerns about the crowd getting to him at all, Tyler? Oh, I think it's it's probably too early to tell, but I, I like one thing I like about. Uh, this team is, um, you look at the captains, you know, they're, uh, you know, Oboe, Baker Mayfield, Orlando Brown, Stephen Parker. Look where those guys are all situated on the field, all being seniors. And Well, you know, Orlando Brown's a junior, but he has that feel of a senior. Um, they're all situated in these, per- you know, these different places on the field. And I, I do like Oklahoma's leadership better this year than last year. And I think the coaches have kind of hinted at that, too, that at times – they didn't have that where they needed to. And I think that's another thing. You look at just, um, you know, whatever physical strength, tangible things they've developed in the off season since last year, I think an intangible is leadership that they've got. So I wouldn't, that wouldn't be a huge concern to me. You know, if you had two, if you had two sophomore quarterbacks, you know, going into Ohio state battling for the position and you just didn't have these, you know, tree trunk leader type guys, then, uh, I would worry about that, but I think that's, I do think that's one area OU can go in and feel pretty good. You know, they've got a good set of leaders, and these young guys don't have to heap it all over themselves. They're just the right guys in the right spot to uh, sort of keep them, you know, firmly planted. And we always like to cross enemy lines to get a little perspective on things. I caught up with Kevin Newton from BuckeyeGrove.com to look back on Indiana and get ready for obviously the showdown on Saturday. How did the uh how did the Thursday night tilt go from an adjustment perspective? It really seemed like this team found something both offensively and defensively in the second half. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you look on the offensive side of the ball, I think that they uh probably had a little talk with JT and decided that they wanted to have him run a little bit more. I know Oklahoma fans saw him run plenty in Norman. <laughs> they were a little hesitant to run 
in Bloomington against Indiana in the first half. He ran a little bit more, and while he didn't go out there and have a 20-carry type of night, that threat of him running probably played a pretty good role in things. And, and then they also decided that they could still accomplish the big pop uh, you know, plays by doing a seven-yard throw and like 50-yard run rather than trying to throw it 40 yards down the field, which was just not working at that point. And then defensively, they just had a little bit more help out there in terms of, of, of safety help. And uh, Richard uh, Lego was not able to hit a lot of those back shoulder fades that he's hitting in the first half and really tormenting the Buckeyes with. Where, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big Raiders fan, so I've been following, you know, Gary on Conley. I've been watching all these guys that got drafted from the secondary. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like, Kevin, historically, this team doesn't rebuild. They just reload. So from a secondary perspective, who are some guys that have caught your eye that are jumping in to fill in for these guys that are going to be playing on Sunday? Well, you know, to, to be honest, I mean, they they went to the JUCO ranks and picked up Kendall Sheffield. He was a one-time Alabama uh Signee, he redshirted with the Crimson Tide and then went to Blinn Junior College. And uh, he, he, you know, he's now here. If everything goes according to plan, it's going to be a one-year deal for him because he'll be three years removed from high school. Denzel Ward was the third corner for Ohio State last year. They really rolled three corners during meaningful minutes. It wasn't, oh, he's the third guy we're going to bring in. It was kind of one-third, one-third, one-third. He, he's kind of a, a veteran back there now at this point because he has a whole year of experience. And then Damon Webb, uh, locked down his safety spot in the spring. He's somebody that the coaches are very high on. Uh, he's somebody who's been in the program a long time and is a really good leader back there. Is uh, is this as good of a defensive line as you've ever seen in Columbus? It really may be one of the best defensive lines I've ever seen in college football in terms of ga- uh, teams that I've covered or when I've been watching. You know, I can't go back can't go back in, you know, pre-85, really, and, and, and be able to judge at that point. But this is one of the best defensive lines I've seen just with depth and talent. And just Ohio State's defensive line against Oklahoma's offensive line, you know, get grab the popcorn. That's going to be worth the price of admission and then some. You know, it's kind of crazy, too, because it's a collective group that's that good. I understand there'll be some teams that have a good individual, maybe one or two. But all the way across, and even from a depth perspective, Kevin, it doesn't seem like they drop off too much when they rotate guys in. No, I mean, you really could get down to the third-team guys, especially at end with Jay Sean Cornell and Jonathan Cooper, and those guys could be starting at – 95% of the schools around around the country. I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a little too close to the situation, but, I mean, they're tremendous players. But when you look at Nick Bosa and Tyquan Lewis and Jalen Holmes and Sam Hubbard at the, at the end, and, and remember, Ohio State's going without one of their starting defensive interior linemen, Michael Hill, who's, who's suspended right now. And they're still able to roll a couple of teams in in terms of the, of, of the defensive tackle position. And Draymond Jones had a tremendous game against Indiana. So, yeah, it's it's not you know one or two guys really carrying the load and two guys riding the coattails in terms of of the accolades. I mean, each person as an individual on that line is playing at a high level. Is there a weakness on this defense? Is is it the secondary? I mean, obviously, I'm trying I'm trying to find any advantage here, Kevin. Is there a place where this defense could be considered vulnerable at all? Um, you know, I think that the secondary just has to kind of grow into its own and. You know, baptism by fire here in game two, bringing in Oklahoma. Mark Andrews is going to be a matchup nightmare. Who's going to who's going to draw him? I mean, even just through recent years, I can name off some tight ends that have had big games against Ohio State. And I know that there's the debate whether or not Mark Andrews truly is a tight end or a receiver. I mean, he's built like a tight end, and he, he runs like a really fast receiver. I mean, he, he is a nightmare. I go, I, 
I go back to Wisconsin and Troy Fumagalli, who's a guy that kind of torched them a little bit at times. Mark Andrews is significantly better than, than Troy Fumagalli is. So that, that might be the biggest issue right there is just trying to figure out who's going to be able to, to, to guard and, and stay on Mark Andrews because Ohio State's secondary is not overly big this year. They lost a couple of six-foot corners. They're not, they, they don't have that type of size this year. JT Barrett is a guy, uh, I think kind of like Baker Mayfield, where you look at him and you say, my gosh, they're still in college. Uh, but with that said, JT is one of those guys that it seems like he, he just can't win the overall respect. I mean, is that a fair statement? He's always, oh, he's not accurate enough, but the numbers don't bear that out. Oh, he in a big game, he might struggle. I think he's one of the best that I've seen, Kevin, but it just it appears like he just can't get over with, with fans and media sometimes nationally. And there's there's a section of the fan base at, in, in Buckeye Nation that will always be very critical of, of JT Barrett. And even if he goes out there and throws for 300 yards, which he did against Indiana, it's because it's because there was a. Uh oh, I think we just he lost. only threw for 150 yards. Beyond that, because people are reinventing how the stats work, and it's never worked that way before. It, but. You know, it, it, even to the point of Indiana's head coach Tom Allen saying on, you know, in, in one of his press conferences that they, he didn't think that JT was that accurate of a passer. It was not a, a, in a real derogatory manner, but he said that you prepare for an, a, an, an, I don't know, even though I don't want to put words in his mouth, but that he was not a very accurate passer and you want to sit there and prepare in various ways there. And then on the Big Ten conference call on Tuesday, he doubled down on it. So, you know, there really is a belief out there that JT's not an accurate guy. I mean, he doesn't have the biggest arm. I think I think most people would agree with that, but all he does is win. Mm. Kevin, what's the what's the temperature like in Columbus? I mean, no no stranger to big time games with Michigan every single year, and you go back a bit. Texas coming to town, it, it always seems like Ohio State plays a big non conference game. But is this just another non conference game, or or is there the excitement level with Oklahoma coming to town and the tradition of the Sooners? Well, I mean, it's it's not Ohio State, Michigan, in terms of the, the mindset of the fans, but they do they do recognize that this is a battle of top five teams, and you don't you don't get those types of matchups all that often. So they do recognize that. They do also recognize that beating Oklahoma last year was probably the thing that put them over the top to be able to get into the college football playoff, despite not winning the Big Ten. So there, they I don't think that there are any fans that are sitting there dismissing this game in any way, shape, or form, or not recognizing just how important it is in terms of two blue bloods getting out there and, 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 and playing for three hours and seeing who comes out on top. So many cool storylines heading into this game, and I appreciate Tyler and Kevin, as for giving, uh, Kevin for giving us that perspective. A guy like Emmanuel Beal. If you have a chance, man, go to Soonersports.com right now. Watch the feature on Emmanuel Beal. He quit football. He quit football, went to start working in a factory, worked at a convenience store to try to support his family and said, I miss football too much. Basically went to Lackawanna and said, I'll do whatever it takes. Walked on at the JUCO, and he's one of the keys for the Sooners in his homecoming in Columbus on Saturday. Kevin Wilson, the offensive coordinator of Ohio State, set records as the offensive coordinator here at Oklahoma. And then, of course, obviously just the overall sense of redemption. I think that a lot of Sooner fans, and maybe even to a certain degree, this team feels with an opportunity to try to avenge what happened last year. Man, I cannot wait. We will be on the air on the Oklahoma Sooner Radio Network beginning at 4.30. 
to get you ready for the 6.30 kick. If we don't tell you enough, you can get the OU Radio Network for free by simply downloading the TuneIn Radio app or, of course, on many of our great affiliates all across this country. And I think excitement is an understatement. We'll celebrate the history of this, the brief history. This is only the fourth time these two teams have met. We'll celebrate the brief history in this rivalry on Saturday during the pregame show as Bud Hebert and Uwe Von Schaman will join us. We'll relive the kick 40 years ago, 1977, and we'll have fun covering two of the greats as far as programs are concerned in college football, OU, Ohio State, this Saturday. Hope you appreciate the preview. Uh, if you do, please leave a rating on iTunes and, of course, tell a friend or two or ten to subscribe by simply logging on to Soonersports.tv slash podcast through iTunes, through Stitcher, whichever way you access podcasts, we have you covered. Should be a fun weekend. Look forward to breaking it down with you on Tuesday. Until then, enjoy game day. And Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Yeah.